0: Hi, David. We made it back.
1: That's right. I think a lot of people expected us three episodes and done, but we're episode four.
0: We had to do another one hoping to get that big contract.
1: That's right. Yeah. Well, Joe Rogan's done how many thousands?
0: 1,400, I think. Somewhere around there.
1: So we are only about 1,400 short. Thirteen ninety seven short. Yeah, not
0: If we get hopped up on energy drinks, we can do twenty a day for the next seven days. How many? That's still only like hundred and forty, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah we're 40 not a
1: day would be. We could do like thirty minute podcast. Joe Rogans are like. That was three like hours. Good. Yeah, I didn't bring up last week talking about Joe Rogan, and and we won't stay on Joe Rogan too long this week but i just think it's crazy that he does a i don't have the patience to watch 3 hours of anything other than maybe football but or listen to 3 hours of anything so props to him
0: yeah i lose like when we would do commentary at fights after about the first hour my attention span shot <laughs>
1: 3 fights in
0: yeah i'm like i, I gave it Gave it the old college try for the first bit and then I was done.
1: But what do you do during like when you're not doing commentary? Do you just take a little nap, four or five fights in?
0: Uh, No, I mean, physically, I'm there, present, awake. (laughs) Mentally, I'm everywhere else.
1: Something crazy happens.
0: Yeah, that's why I needed, always needed a good partner like you to keep me in line. You could hold hold the course.
1: Yeah. I think we've... And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I'm always like super focused when I do commentary. Almost too focused. But, yeah. So like half the time, I don't... Things, crazy stuff will go on during the events and I don't even know what's going on because I'm paying attention to the fights.
0: Feel free not to answer this. Okay. But like in college, you know, as a young adult in college with a heavy course load in real life. Did you ever take Adderall? No. I haven't either.
1: No, I never did. Um, and looking back, you know, now as a 30-year-old, um, the pace that I kept when I was 18, 19, 20, just full college course load, full-time job, you know, covering – that was kind of in my infancy of covering MMA <laughs> – Blogging things like that, obviously, not doing podcasting, but yeah, it's pretty crazy. My days would go like 8 a.m. to you know 10 p.m. and then have to do homework.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. it's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, I've always thought about that. Like, because at one time, I'm not scared to admit that I took. I was prescribed. I didn't. This wasn't like a street drug, but like some phentermine, It's like a weight loss pill. Yeah, it's basically like speed. And what I learned was that I really like that feeling. Um, like hyper focused, no appetite, just go go go. I also learned that I, my body became very tolerant to it. Um, like probably after a week. Yeah, that's the problem. So I didn't like get the same effects. <laughs>
1: That's the problem, like the uh, the ephedra and, you know, the um, my generation was more like the oxypro. Uh, hydroxy cut. Hydroxy cut um, before they kind of got toned down. That and I was also the four loco.
0: <laughs> the real four loco.
1: Yeah, the real four loco.
0: So, These kids, now, listen, I would love to review the OG four loco. Well, some of the other there were some, some compare some like knockoffs, highly caffeinated alcoholic yeah. beverages.
1: I wonder if any of that. Sparks. For Loco still exists. Yeah. Sparks was always the big one. Um, the big like secondary one. Um, there was one called like Hydro or something like that. Um, that was in Columbus, but I think it might've even been like a local thing, but. Yeah. Those are the good old days. (laughs) That and then when I was in college, at least with the group that I hung out with was kind of the start of like hard cider, like people, especially, um, that didn't drink beer or cheap beer. And I wasn't honest, honestly, I was never a huge partier, but later on in college when I was actually legally able to drink, um, I always thought that I was too cool for you know, Natty Light or whatever. Um, (laughs) Ohio State is actually a Keystone, more of a Keystone campus, but um, I would buy uh, the Hard Cider, Woodchuck Hard Cider.
0: I've never heard of Woodchuck Hard Cider.
1: Yeah, it's one of the smaller, smaller brands. They're still around, but it's, it's getting harder and harder to find. But now you go into crazy, like now, nowadays, it's like the Seltzers and the Um, to a lesser, like, um, had some people over to my house and someone brought some of the Natterdays, which I do not hesitate to admit that I every once in a while will enjoy one of those. Um, it's like strawberry lemonade, but it doesn't taste like beer at all. So I can understand like the person that wants to, you know, other people to think that they're drinking a beer, but they actually want something that's sweet and sugary um, would drink that.
0: See, in my early days, I've never been a beer drinker. Like I'd never got the taste for beer. Now I, we can go out and I can have, you know, draft beer and it'd be fine. Yeah. But, but I enjoyed like long Island iced teas. I'm going am you know, I'm going to throw it out there. Long Island iced teas, <laughs> margaritas. Yeah. The mixed cocktail type thing the sugary and as i've got older my body doesn't tolerate those as good
1: that and then you know what still is around that's still surprisingly doing well is like the twisted tea yeah Um, they're made by um sam adams actually i think a decent amount of them are made here in cincinnati and looking at the numbers for those they still surprisingly do pretty well um
0: and they're super cheap
1: yeah and i may have a uh not twisted tea, but something next week, um, some interesting kind of tea, beer, um, something to, to kind of go all over off the wall, but we'll talk about, you know what, let's get into it because I'm drinking something kind of unique this week, and um, last week I almost died. Um, yeah,
0: did you did you prep yourself this week? Like, this is not a surprise to you.
1: Water. I got a little snack up here because um, we record this during what is normally my dinner time. So, uh.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you're, do yeah. you eat late? Like we eat early, probably like five 30 to six here. Yeah. I also have I'm two kids late. that are yeah. ready to go.
1: I'm usually between seven and eight. So, um, but yeah, this week, um, I am drinking a beer, so we are, you know, you're the bourbon guy. I'm the beer guy. This week is not technically a bourbon barrel-aged beer, but it is what is called a bourbon mash lager. Uh, it's called Wave Maker by Fretboard, which is a brewery here in Cincinnati. And the beer in the mash is mashed with... Um, lager brewed with corn barley and rye so i think technically to be considered a bourbon has to be at least 51 percent corn so which is not typical for a beer um usually beers i mean if you go by uh you know german purity laws beers aren't supposed to have any corn in them at all but this is kind of a unique beer in that most of the mash is corn or at least 51% or more of the mash is corn. Um, and then also has the rye um, in it as well. And then of course, barley, which is very common in beers, but um, really no interesting. Did they're, they switch the hops yeah, out for the corn? Well, so there's, there's hops in, in the beer and it didn't, I don't, it doesn't specify which hops, but it's pretty low on um, in hops in hops, or at least in the hop bitterness. So it's 15 IBUs, um, which is a scale that goes from zero to, um, I think it's 150 is the highest. And typical IPA is going to be around anywhere from, if you go like a lighter IPA, like 45 IBUs to some of the double IPAs can be, you know, 100 to 100, you know, triple IPA might be 120. So, Really, that's just a bitterness unit, which is really more just a a measure of what the the amount of hops in the beer is. Um, so it's it's definitely hopped, but it's lightly hopped, um, and it is then so it's brewed and then lagered and uh, lagering. So uh, I think we talked a, bit, a little bit about this a couple weeks ago. So it's it's a yeast. It really the difference with the lagering is is the style of yeast and it's. Um, lagered with a it's lagered colder so typically around 40 to 45 degrees versus an ale you'll get anywhere from 65 to 75 degrees and then oh, wow. aged in um, aged on oak so drinking this beer it's it's definitely got some of the bourbon characteristics but I don't think that they aged it super long because it doesn't have that oaky flavor but I get more of like the corn Definitely from the mash and surprisingly um, like if you're a person that likes that bourbon flavor, but you don't want the, you know, crazy alcohol content, this is only five and a half percent alcohol. So it's, it's got that hint of a, of a bourbon, um, but doesn't have that kind of that bite and that burn of a bourbon as well. Um, Really good beer. And it's also kind of unique too. So, Fretboard's a brewery that's been around for, uh, I think, about two and a half years. Um, and this beer is actually brewed to support um, Arts Wave here in Cincinnati. So it's the um, arts nonprofit. And Fretboard, the reason why they're so interested in the arts is because it's part brewery, part live event um, venue, uh, their actual tap room. They've got like four or five nights a week, they've got whether it be local national touring artists, things like that. So kind of interesting in the day and age that we're in, they haven't been doing that obviously with their, with their tap room clothes, but I know starting back this week, um, they're going to have live music back in the tap room, which is is pretty cool. So kind of cool to see them supporting arts wave here in Cincinnati. And uh, I think this is actually the second beer that they've done, in collaboration with arts waves. So cool beer to see, uh, to see them do. And it's definitely delicious. It's like I said, I, if I'm a person, I, I enjoy the taste of bourbon and, and that, you know, that bourbon flavor, but it's not, it's not overpowering. Super yeah. It's not overpowering. It's like, if I'm thinking like if I'm a bourbon drinker, I wouldn't necessarily like this, but if I'm a person who wants something that's, you know, I like, I like that bourbon flavor, but it's, I want it to be subtle. Like if I'm like a bourbon and water drinker, or if I'm a bourbon on the rocks drinker, this is probably the beer for you.
0: Yeah. I think what a good, like the name itself fretboard, like that, that lends itself to the arts anyway. Right. Like that's yeah. a good.
1: Yeah. It's and the owners are um, artists themselves. They, um, I don't know if they were in a band together or Um, they're all musicians themselves. So it's definitely a brewery that, um, they've kind of, in my opinion, they've been really underrated. I mean, we've got so many great breweries here in Cincinnati, but fretboard in their, you know, in their kind of infancy here, they've been winning national awards. They won, um, at least one award at the great American beer festival for, um, their pilsner, which is called Vlad, which they just started canning, um, delicious beer and other light lager and kind of unique in, in that, you know, they're actually brewing traditional styles and doing it really, really well, you know, in the, the lagers and pilsners, but then they're doing um, some unique things that are kind of outside of that as well. So they've got kind of two sides to what they're doing. And then obviously with the, with the backdrop of, of being connected to the arts.
0: Now you, you've been in, in the craft beer brewery scene for a few years now, and if you go to mma.mckinney dot com, uh, you can see like we just talked about fretboard opening. They're gonna have some live music, but uh, Fountain Square's Rock Bottom Brewery closed, right. which was like a a long long term thing there, like you know, uh, in in that area. What? And, and we can talk about you going to, what was it, MPH? Yeah. Which you is, know, you went yeah. to a brewery, you went to a new one. So we got the, the economic climate's not good anywhere and, and probably in anything. Like, I just had a debate about my wife about the closures of, and this just shows you my fatness, uh, Golden Corral. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, but, yeah, see. You, know, but, but you see, like, I have memories of Golden Corral as an elementary-aged kid, you know, going with my grandparents. Um, But in these economic – like, I remember going to get Easter outfits at JCPenney's. My kids will not know that. You know, my son, who's two, will never have a memory of of this. Right. So –
1: well, um, I, yeah I was thinking about it, that. it it's yeah. a different
0: culture so you've got you've got the rock bottom brewery, which is fucking a horrible name now, looking at it <laughs> yeah. uh it closes but you but yet you've got more opening up what how have they offset this, or is it or is it a industry where they can they can put things on hold and be financially stable? Because you got things like you know breweries are unless they own their own buildings, which I'm sure a lot of these startups don't. You've got rent, you're paying employees, you've got overhead, you've got beer that you can't move because people aren't there. What what's that? What's going on, especially there in Cincinnati, with that?
1: Well, so I look at it in general as I don't think that, and I don't want to say that you know I don't want to say the wrong thing, but I don't necessarily think that this pandemic is going to cause the closure of any businesses. But I think it might speed up the process for places that are already in trouble. Um, You look at some of these companies that are, that have kind of been passed, you know, and and there's always a cyclical of, you know, there, there are companies that are going to close and then there are going to be companies that come off of this, that are going to open up and be successful. So rock bottom is kind of one of those holdovers um, from that. I don't know. And you're slightly older than me. So you probably are even more aware of this than I am, but the kind of first, you know, kind of boom of of craft beer in the late eighties and then into the nineties of, of, you know, the brew pubs. So you've got places like BJ's, you know, brew house that started then Um, that's when like goose Island back in the day when, tap rooms weren't legal. And so you had to actually open up a restaurant in order to um, be able to open up a brewery. So the brew pubs were really the first wave in the U S of what had happened. And then um, a lot of these places really just didn't keep up with kind of the times. If you look at rock bottom, it's a chain of brew pubs. So they actually brewed, beer in cincinnati and and they've got a you know some other places like they're in um i think southern california i think they have one in denver um they had one in pittsburgh when i lived there and it's a place that just doesn't connect as much with the local community so here in cincinnati we have by whatever you know in greater cincinnati area we have you know 70 technical brewing licenses. Now, not all of those have tap rooms, but um, pl- probably around 50 places that you can actually go and have a drink. And there are so many options that if a place doesn't necessarily connect with the with a local scene, like a rock bottom, then they're going to start to get left behind. Um, and I know that they're a parent company, so it's the company that also owned um, Gordon Biersch, uh, which is another you know, kind of chain brew pub that, that didn't necessarily, um, connect with the local, you know, whatever locality they were in. I, that's what you're starting to see is a lot of these, um, a lot of the places that are not huge, but they're, you know, almost kind of regional and people don't have sort of identity to where, Hey, I have to go to X brewery because I know the people that you know, work there or whatever. So, um, I think that's really what it is. It's, I think it's really more speeding up the process. And I think that things are becoming at least in, in the, in the brewery and a lot of the restaurant scene, I think things are becoming more and more local and people want something. If they're going to go out, they want something unique. Um, and that's mostly speaking, I think to millennials, like millennials aren't, most of them aren't necessarily going to go to an Applebee's or a Golden Corral or some sort of chain. (laughs) I think that they're more apt to go to a place where the experience is part of, you know, actually going out and and going to somewhere unique. I don't know. But you live in a smaller town where you don't have as many options and and most of the stuff there are chains. But I know that you also have some places that are locally owned and local. and, And I think that you probably have a little bit more of a closer identity with, with some of those places.
0: Yeah. You know, it's like the main street mom and pop appeal is strong, stronger now than it's been forever, you know, right. especially at the time like one of the biggest complaints in Kentucky is during this whole pandemic that you could still go to Walmart or Kroger yeah. uh, who are, you know, Titans of industry in, in their respective fields, but Carl's meat shop, you know, can't open and, and abide on the same rules, smaller building, not as many people, you know, uh, you, you know, your local boutiques that sell clothes had to shut down. It's the, the shop local movement here, um, has really been trampled on with the current times, but we liken it to, you know, we're, we're both rooted in the mixed martial arts scene and not that we're going to bring it up every week, but you know, in when, when we started out, both you and I, there were tons of options as far as events and promotions and things like that. And, you know, none none of those promotions were going to compete with the UFC. None of these breweries are going to compete with Anheuser-Busch when it comes to right. sales and, and and reach and all that. So you gravitate to the ones where you feel the most at home with, you know, with the people there and, and uh, that treat people right. And we all fall into our cliques, whether we realize it or not. And when, it all, when the dust settles, you've got... You know, if there's 70, say in 10 years, you know, there'll be 15 that are strong and they've held on, you know, survived the pandemic or, or whatever it may be. And I think that's just the ebb and flow of small business.
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, following, for example, you know, craft beer for the past, you know, pretty closely for the past five years or so just in Columbus or in Cincinnati specifically, um, there have been eh, like probably eight to 10 closures and none of them have surprised me other than one. Um, And then reading more into that, it was more of a, the guy that owned it really just didn't have, you know, as much business sense as, as what he probably could have had. So that's, you know, kind of more of of an explanation, but um, it's easy to see a lot of times places that are going to be successful and places that aren't going to be successful. And you can see, I think the, one of the reasons that I gravitate toward, you know, craft beer is I think that it echoes a lot of the same, that same, um, factors that I, that I like the actual parts that I liked about MMA. It's, you know, it's a community people generally are positive. Of course there are going to be, you know, some negative aspects, but, um, It's a, you know, kind of a niche thing that people really enjoy doing. Of course, you're going to get some sort of casual people that are are really interested in it and, you know, some people that aren't. So um, that's kind of what drew drew me toward it a little bit. And and honestly, the, you know, a lot of the MMA community kind of dying out too. and, And I look at MMA now and seeing like, you know, in Ohio, there are maybe three promotions. I think in Kentucky, there's two, maybe two, maybe one that ends up surviving um, after you know everything is said and done. And in Indiana, there's one, um, and it, it'll be interesting to see how things shake out. And you and I were talking a little bit earlier about you know a local promotion that's doing a um, an event with no fans and doing a pay per view only event probably in July and whether that's going to be successful, successful or not. And I honestly just don't see how a local MMA event that, you know, exists because fans show up, not because of necessarily the promotion or the promoter that's promoting, but because of the people that are fighting and physically selling tickets to the event. Um, I don't necessarily think that that translates to people Actually, I mean it's it's different. I think people um, people clicking to buy and you know an online pay per view versus going to experience a live event. So.
0: Well, anytime you you run that barrier to entry, um, because we can turn on ESPN and watch the UFC now. Uh, and when in things are in full force, you know you've got something. you got programming almost daily, uh, whatever you want. And there's no barrier to entry there. You turn on your TV, it's there. You so when you ask somebody to sit down at a computer, log in, remember their password, pay digitally. Uh, granted, you know when it comes to you know when we talk about the UFC, th- that's a that's a big drive you get you know five hundred thousand to a million people on a a good pay-per-view um but to watch it on a computer even to take the time to hook your computer up to your tv or buy it like that it's it's a risk but you know in these times that you're relegated to what's available and so yeah i hope it succeeds but it's just i don't know man it's just weird times just weird times overall like, we're still yeah. trying to figure out child care here. The schools are trying to figure out what they're going to do. Like, they cut the child care program at school. So, for instance, my son's three. He's going to be going into preschool, right. um, and it's half a day. So, what would happen is you would send your kid for half a day, and then you would pay, you know, considerably less than you would a daycare or a private babysitter for, you know, child care for the other half. So half of the day would be like instructional, actual daycare, preschool. Then the, the other half would be, you know, just, just child care, you know. Uh, and so the child care part's eliminated. So now it's like, first of all, are, will it even be possible to send uh, 30, 40 kids to something like that? And then what do you do? Like, do we bus them to a babysitter or a, a daycare? Or like, you know, it's just, I don't know, man we still got some time, but like (laughs) one of the things is our youth sports. I don't know what Ohio's, I I have a feeling that we're modeled a lot after Ohio, but one of the things is that, um, like the no con like baseball, uh, maybe even soccer to a point. I'm I'm not sure, but like they put out the rules, no, no dugouts, no sunflower seeds, no bubble gum, no, uh, everybody's wear masks that, that, attend um no huddles (laughs) if you want to show respect they recommend bowing like come on (laughs) what the the fuck man you know and if you want it bad enough you're going to do it and i understand that like kids need that outlet you know my daughter thrives on social interaction and like i can tell in her attitude and and just general uh being around her all the time that like, this is hard for them. I mean, it's yeah. hard enough for adults and I don't really require anybody, <laughs> even though I like, I don't have to go see people, but right at some point when you're like day seven and only place you've been is to go get bread. I'm, like, what am I going to do, man? Like, I, it's just, I don't know. It's irritating. So yeah,
1: I found myself looking forward to, um, I'm the one that has been grocery shopping in our house. So I found myself looking forward to in even not even going we used to go every week together and I found myself, you know, looking forward to every two weeks that, you know, going to the grocery store, or visit and things like that and um it's weird, you know, thinking like I really haven't been anywhere in, you know, a week and a half or two weeks or something like that and um that's why, you know, places here in Ohio are, are slowly starting to open back up and one of the things that I Honestly, you know, not that I'm the per- – you know, I'm, I'm kind of the person that's probably the least germaphobic that I know. I think – I believe that, you know, you need to have, you know, good immune system And the way that you, you know, kind of keep your immune system high is by exposing yourselves to, you know, to low levels of germs that um, aren't necessarily going to harm you but that, you know, build up your immune system which is um, – I don't, you know, again, not based on any science that I've read, but it, it makes sense to me that if you are a complete germaphobe, then you get exposed to one germ and, and you're going to, your body's not going to be ready for that and you're going to get sick. So, but point being that you know, even going out now, if I go to a place and see that there's a bunch of people there and they're all huddled up and there's nowhere to go, um, other than, you know, this you know, small area, I'm probably going to leave at least in the, you know, for the time being, um, and, and in the near future, but the places I, we actually went to a couple of different places this past weekend, um, and everywhere. Um, luckily it was nice enough outside that we were able to, you know, go outside and experience some, some places and, and sit outside for the most part, but places that, um, you wouldn't necessarily think, that you know would be the best place to go i i honestly have found um and again i i think that it's you know you gotta you have to scout out a place before you go and see what they're doing what their plans are and you make a decision on you know whether you think that that's what their requirements are are feasible for you to do or not and that's honestly i think um one of the things that i have always said is you know self account- self accountability um, I always have been a you know more of a self driven person and and think that if you want to do something then that's probably the way that you know i don't know I think that it, it's more about self than needing someone to tell me what to do or because I'm gonna be probably stricter on myself than you know, any regulation could probably ever be.
0: I feel like you're like my wife, maybe a little bit anti-authority.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I definitely, because there've been some, I've, I've definitely said some things during this whole pandemic. And so I think some people have been surprised, not even necessarily anti-authority, but anti like, Hey, we're adults here we can probably figure this out. But then you see, some of the dumb things that people are doing and you're like, uh, maybe, maybe some people can, <laughs> maybe some people need their hands held. Um, I don't know. Just me. It's, it's crazy because you go and you see things like the people hanging out in a pool at the Ozarks this past weekend on Memorial day. And Isn't I that crazy? I would not have got, I wouldn't get in that pool, even if we weren't in a, you know, global pandemic right now, it was, it's <laughs> disgusting. There's a place we go to, uh, we get to indian lake every year and which is just a small crappy lake in ohio but with uh with my wife's family and there's a bar that has like a swim up bar there and i'm like yeah i'm never we haven't even ever gone but i know that it's a crappy little small you know small swim up bar I'm like yeah i would never get in that there's and i again i'm the least germaphobic person and i think just some people don't even think about stuff like that it's just that. common sense just yeah. common sense guys You know,
0: do you wear a mask? I have
1: in places I'm respectful of of if places are, you know, if I don't think that I can socially distance in a place I I have been like, for example, the grocery store. Um, It's hard to to walk down a grocery store aisle and not come up next to people. And I think that if I'm, you know, for the 30 or 40 minutes that I'm in a grocery store, it, it doesn't hurt to actually wear a mask there's no negative that's going to come from it. So, but you know, if I'm outside or, you know, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty avid runner or going for walks and things like that, which again, being outside is probably the safest place to be. Um, just because it's hard for germs and viruses to live on any sort of surface, especially outside for any extended period of time. And, um, yeah. But again, this, this whole thing has just made me think like the lack of knowledge that people have and the things that people are worried about. And are you, out why, about. why
0: are you saying that? We have a 24 hour news cycle <laughs> that will keep you informed to whatever way you lean. Like there's, you have those choices, which right. is crazy for me. The, this is the difference in, in where we live. Um. I live in a small town. We have one Kroger. How many Kroger, in, like, in your immediate area, in Cincinnati? Yeah,
1: like Cincinnati Metro, probably fifty or sixty. Um, within, like, you know, let's say your your area, your town is what ten mile radius or something like that. We yeah, probably, probably have ten or twelve. With, uh, maybe even. Maybe 15 within a 10 mile radius of us.
0: Yeah, so the closest one to me is 30 miles away, 35 miles away. Other
1: than the one that's yeah. like in your backyard.
0: Right. I'm saying the one that's, you know, here in our town, which everybody goes to, to go to another Kroger, you'd have to go to Moorhead. You know, if you want to go to another Walmart, you got to go to either Moorhead or Winchester. So
1: right.
0: one of the things that wearing a mask in the grocery store for me, is people just see your eyes. So yesterday, no, I'm sorry. Was it yesterday? Tuesday. I get a haircut. So my hair's cut looking nice and neat. I wear one of the masks that's like a sleeve, right? So it goes around my head, basically, you know, over my nose, covers my beard up up. Like a biker. Yeah. Yeah. So, one of the things that I found on two occasions or that people thought I was somebody else, or maybe I did know them and I didn't recognize them in their mask. Who I don't know. Think you were? I don't know. We, oh, I God, was no. not, I was not going to bridge that gap, you know, walking in the cereal aisle. Hey man, how are you doing buddy? I'm doing great. How are you, man? I'm. Yeah. You know, staying know you staying safe. Cereal?
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. How's your family? Well, family's good brother. Man, you take care. You take care, too. Walked away. Not a fucking clue who this person I mean, was. <laughs> didn't recognize the voice. Didn't recognize the tattoos. Didn't, I'm like, I don't know who that was. Maybe if they maybe they hadn't got a haircut, and I just didn't recognize. I don't know. Then a lady. Hey, how are you? I'm good. All right. And maybe she was just being friendly, but looked at me like I should know her. Didn't know her. Um, That probably doesn't happen in Cincinnati for you, does it?
1: Not as much. Um we I mean oh, every hey, once in a while. Oh hey because, dude, is that you
0: oh no it's yeah. just David McKinney.
1: <laughs> we have I mean de- there are definitely times when I go to the grocery store and I see people that I know, but it's not like it's a small town where everyone is supposed to know everyone, um sort of thing. But yeah, that's funny. Um
0: It's like cheers around this joint. Yeah. What Will about, you, what you, about yeah. some bourbon? We got some bourbon news. Yeah. Before I get into my bourbon, let's talk about the heinousness of introducing a $200 bottle of Tennessee bourbon. Now, bourbon is not limited to Kentucky by any means. You can make, you legally can make bourbon. If it's bourbon, it has to be made in the United States. It doesn't have to be made in Kentucky, but it has to be made in the United States. Um, Peyton Manning and his brother are going to, which... It's kind of not fair reading the article they bought, like, some cask of old bourbon and are going to market it as that, yeah. you know, they they didn't they didn't buy a distiller or anything. They just bought some bourbon and they're going to slap their name on it. And uh, honestly, they probably have no idea how it tastes until they crack it. Well, I mean, I'm sure somebody has. Is that but,
1: common? I mean, I know that it's, like, I've no. seen people, like, for example, um, Matthew McConaughey is part of um, – The ownership group of Wild Turkey So other than that
0: Yeah but Wild Turkey is a well established Brand you know like it's not like Oh hey this is the What's the name of it
1: Sweetens Cove Tennessee Tennessee Straight Bourbon Whiskey Available For pre-sale for Tennessee Residents only For $200 a bottle
0: Yeah so here's the thing Tennessee is known for Jack Daniels Right. Like everybody knows that you go you can get a Jack and Coke for three bucks. That's just a thing. And Jack Daniels is a Tennessee whiskey. It's not a bourbon. It's whiskey. Um which it's fine. You know I like Jack and Coke. Um but it's it's not bourbon. So I don't and I read their like their master distiller or whatever, or whoever they got to be the their bourbon affiliate right. um it's a woman um but it, Eves. yes which i'm not saying don't take that the wrong way there's we have a, a woman that owns a distillery here very prominent in the documentary uh, neat which i've talked about it's on hulu yeah. uh you can get her story but like the the brands you know including the, what i'm going to talk about today these brands of bourbon are tried and true through prohibition, the great depression. They'll be here long after COVID-19's uh, a blip in the history books, just right. because it's like the tried and true process of making this one thing. Uh, and so when you buy, if, if I, if there's casks of bourbon, these, these bourbon barrels for sale to me, that's saying, Hey, somebody was not successful in <laughs> in their bourbon business and they had some extra bourbon, you know, cause they are an age. So if in the meantime, while your bourbon's aging, you go out of business, probably didn't do a good job. And that could be totally a marketing fail, you know, in, in the late seventies, up into the mid eighties, the bourbon industry was just wrecked. Um, and so there were smaller distilleries that went out of business even before that, you know, after world war II, you had, this great popularity of bourbon where people were mixing fucking rubbing alcohol and putting some, you know, caramel syrup in it and calling it bourbon. And so that's where you get that, uh, Maybe. bonded you know, and it was making people sick. So people just kind of got away from it. There's no regulation, you know, now there's dare I say too much regulation, uh, in general, but there's there's strict regulation in, in the alcohol industry, even in the beer industry, yes. you know, um, so, I don't know. Would I try it for free? Absolutely. Would I pay $200 for some bourbon that nobody knows about? Absolutely not.
1: Well, and and so we both, you know, again, going back to the MMA thing with the Conor McGregor, you know, and that's a, a Irish whiskey, but um, the proper 12. Which was very and,
0: successful, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's been so successful. I mean, I've seen it on um, – you know, shelves all around, you know, Cincinnati area. Like I go to some of the bigger liquor stores that we have here. Um, one of my favorite places to go is, um, the party source in Northern Kentucky. Um, because if there is alcohol produced in the United States that they can get access to, they basically, they have it, um, there and jungle gems, which jungle gems doesn't have, uh, is quite the liquor selection, but
0: um, isn't Jungle Gyms a place you can buy like alligator meat or something?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's one of the most unique grocery stores in in the country, and there's two of them here in Cincinnati. So, um, if you're ever in Cincinnati, definitely go to Jungle Gyms. If you know if there's any sort of food or drink that you're interested in, they have more than you ever would care to purchase or even know about like for example I'm kind of sort of into hot sauce so they've got like probably 2000 hot sauces you know from all over the place and things that are you know from not that hot to crazy hot that I think they have like you have to sign a waiver to even buy, be able to buy it and it's like in locked up cases <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, that, that's the interesting thing too. And I've actually, so Cincinnati here too, we've been getting, so there's so many breweries now we've been getting more and more distilleries and a lot of these distilleries are releasing either, you know, obviously the stuff that doesn't take as long to distill gin, vodka, things like that. But some of them are starting to release whiskeys. I'd be really curious to see your opinion of, of some of the the whiskeys and, and, I don't think any of them are even necessarily like new riff. I think I've talked about here, which is in Kentucky. They just released their first um, bourbon. I think it was last year. Um, but yeah. So you're, you're drinking tonight. I think you told me. Um,
0: Basil Hayden's. Yeah. Which we talked about. Which, is, which is a spicy rye. Yeah. And because you, you talked about the rye, I thought having tasted the last two, what what for my sensitive palate? What would be the difference? And it's it's not that not that different to me. Um, it does have like that. Don't you get like a spicy rum? You can like it's it's not spicy as you would judge your food, but more like a
1: like a um, not like a, a peppery spice. A you know,
0: yes, yeah, something like that. And so I like to like dig into it and it it's a comes from Claremont Kentucky outside of Frankfurt. And it's a, it's in the Jim beam family. Uh, you know, and it's, it's one that's been around. It's like the presentation, just getting the bottle. It's got a nice little bow tied around it. It's got like a belt on it (laughs) with the pH, you know, but it's reasonably priced. Like I got it at Kroger for like 39 bucks. um, you know, and it's it's artfully aged to taste. Um, so it, it's a it's like the sophisticated uncle of Jim Bean.
1: Aged for how long does it say? Uh,
0: well, there's a couple. Yeah. Like r- right now, they're really pushing the ten year old, which they had that, um, and it was like twenty dollars more expensive. So the ten year old Basil Hayden, and it's got you know it, it's the the rye uh and it's a black label <clears throat> the one i got is the uh like the white and gold yeah um so but it's one of those that like you can th- this is not one that i would sip on this is probably one i would mix and th- which is my preference some people may just you know put a block of ice in there and and sip on it but for me it's one that you know i would probably Whereas like Maker's mark, which is a great mixer that you know that sometimes that'll even be like your house bourbon that they do their mixers with. Yeah, but you know I w- I would like it with something dark, Diet Coke, Coke, Coke Zero, Pepsi, what you know, whatever, Dr Pepper, however you take it. Uh, Basil Hayden something that's really good with Sprite, um huh. or Seven Up, you know, yeah, uh, which gives look, yeah. it it that bubbly. You know what I mean? Like not not like a champagne bubbly, but like the carbonation and the and the light color and that more um, fruity taste. I think goes better with the rye because, like I said, it does have that hint of spice to it. Yeah. So it's gonna for me, it just tastes better with something clear.
1: So looking at Basil Hayden, so it's considered the it's the lightest bodied bourbon whiskey in the, in the Jim Beam family, small batch family, which is also Knob Creek bookers and bakers. And, um, the one thing to remember too, is that even though it's considered a quote unquote rye bourbon, it's still to be considered bourbon has to be at least 51% corn in the mash. Mm -hmm. So you're still going to get that corn bourbon flavor if you're a bourbon drinker. Um, but yeah, so they, it looks like a lot of it is, you know, and, and it's also on only 80 proof. So 40% alcohol. So it's a little bit on the lighter side for a lot of what you would expect with. Um,
0: yeah, beer. make no mistake, though. It'll get you drunk. <laughs> yeah, um, a couple of those. But, with, you know, when you like some of the characteristics, if you're new to bourbon, that you're always going to taste. And this is, you know, if your your uh, hipster of hipsters will tell you this, and anybody that's just drank bourbon will tell you this, you're gonna taste the char. You're gonna have a smoky, charry taste to it. You know, um, and and if you want to know like how that comes out, it's just like put a little water in it. Like drink a little water, drink the bourbon, then maybe sprinkle a little water in there, and you'll get it'll actually you know if you test that it will be a different taste you'll have it you'll be able to get that once you get that burn off of it it's like i liken it to chewing tobacco like when you chew tobacco uh it burns but once you get that burn once you got to be dedicated for that (laughs) just just to fight through that and be a dumbass and get addicted like me uh but you, you can taste, uh, I can taste the difference in fine cut, long cut, you know, uh, straight. When it, like all that makes sense. Whereas to somebody who's never tried it, it doesn't really fucking matter what flavor it is. It's going to be the same. Same with bourbon. It doesn't matter what bourbon you get. It's all going to taste the same the first time. You it's know.
1: It's like smoking a cigarette. or drinking Yeah. A beer. <laughs> yeah. It takes you a know, lot to develop why. that palate of, you know, a, this is something that I truly enjoy. And you talk about. For example, like chewing tobacco, the one thing I, you know, learned recently um, is you know you get the the cuts that you get. It really is just more of the the way that it it when they say cut, it's the way that it actually cuts into the um, flesh inside your mouth when you're actually chewing it. So that's mm-hmm.
0: how- <laughs> isn't <laughs> Which- that weird? That's how you get that that hit. Right. Is that it? It micro tears just, your yeah. skin and seeps into your pores
1: directly into the bloodstream, and
0: it like will cause they, cancer. No doubt, don't, should, don't take that away.
1: Which they should do, be able to do with bourbon and beer. They need like <laughs> micro cut, goes <laughs> yeah. directly into your bloodstream.
0: But like, uh, I've had Basil Hayden on, it's one of those bourbons that you can have a great time with it or you can forget about great times with it. You know what I mean? It's one of those that, that you don't know, like it, it can sneak up on you. Um, but
1: like, you you know, what what I want to
0: do, I I wouldn't call it easy drinking. I would not call any bourbon easy drinking. You know, when we were talking at, I was, I was actually in my office today and one of the guys I work with is a wild Turkey fanatic. That bites. Wild turkey bites. It's it's like a knob creek for me yeah, bite,
1: bites. Bite and bourbon.
0: Yeah, it's like <laughs> you know people talk about what that brown liquor does. I, I, I'm sure if that was my brand of choice, I would be a little irate at times too. Yeah. But um, you know, it Basil Hayden's one of those that's it's not what I want to get my hands on. What I'm looking for right now is Blanton's. Uh, which is like if there's a smooth bourbon, like maybe a sweeter, you know, like Southern Comfort as a whiskey is marketed as like a sweeter, easier, smooth, which it's yeah. not either. But it's probably like the Southern Comfort of, of bourbons, which used to be. I mean, you get Blantons anywhere, and now it's one of the most rare to find. And they actually have a. You can go on eBay, in in honor of the Kentucky Derby, they the. The tops are uh, Thorbreads with a jockey on them, and you can collect all of them. And at one time, you could actually either go to or mail your tops in to um, Buffalo Trace Distillery, and they would put it on a a, uh, stave to make it look like a horse race, which I thought (laughs) was pretty cool. So I've tried to get my hands on that. But, you know, one of the things with, with with doing this with you, just as you get to try new beers and, you know, hopefully we don't choke on any. But, oh, hey, yeah. shout out to Little Fish, you know. we, <laughs> and Branch uh, Bone. Yeah, Branch and Bone, Little Fish, the, the great collab. Uh, I saw David sent me a picture of the bottle. I was like, wow, like that's. Oh, just like marketing and presentation is a big thing to me. And th- things like that don't change in the bourbon industry. They are what they are. But in with beer, you know, crazy labels and bottles and all that, uh, yeah. it's interesting to me.
1: That's always, yeah. So um, we also had a discussion earlier this week about um you know, you were saying the most expensive bourbon, and I was talking about probably at least what I know as a, as the most expensive beer is probably um, Sam Adams Utopias, which is for a twenty, it's twenty eight ounces bottle, um, is about two hundred ten bucks a pop, and it's twenty eight percent alcohol, um, which is what fifty six proof, um, and it's that definitely is the beer itself is more of an experience. Um, I had some on, on New Year's Eve 2020 uh, or New Year's Eve 1919, 2019 going into 2020. Um, mm-hmm. and, yeah, that work and, out. You know what? There were people there that they were it was more of a they were interested in maybe having a sip of it. I was interested in having more than a sip of it. So I drank a couple people's and, and uh, it, it was enjoyable, but it was you gotta definitely pace yourself when you're you know again it's more about the uh the amount that you drink than than what than specifically what you drink but um, <clears throat> it's definitely I think a huge marketing um piece for Sam Adams, which brews it you know every couple of years and you know you see the articles come out you know this is illegal in you know fifteen states or whatever because it's it's such high alcohol content for beer um and it's, it's definitely something different than what you think of as, you know, the Sam Adams, uh, you know, the Boston lager that, you know, your dad drinks or whatever that, you know, you're.
0: can you buy it by the glass? Are there any places to just serve it by the glass?
1: Um, there's a couple, and it what is usually I think that a serving is like four ounces. And if you go to like, for example, there's a, a specialty like bottle shop here in Cincinnati called Cappy's every couple of years, they usually have it, um, and then now we actually have a Sam Adams tap room here in Cincinnati as well. So they had a big release party and, um, it comes out in November every other year. Um, they had a big release party. Like it was right before, I think it was the weekend before Thanksgiving and you got like a four ounce taster of it and like a, you know, glass or whatever that it came in for, um, you know, for whatever the price of of admission was. So, You can buy it like that, but it's not one that, and they don't make a ton of it either. So it's, it's, but it's not necessarily rare rare to like, you know, that it's difficult to find. I think if you're, it's just that there's not that many people that are looking for a 200 plus dollar bottle of, you know, 28, ounce bottle of beer. So let me tell this. You
0: You got a bottle of Pappy, what year? 10? Yeah. Retails for what?
1: I think it was seven eighty dollars $80. All right. So
0: in 1989, 11 barrels of bourbon were distilled at the Stitzel Weller Distillery. Weller's, the first, the first bourbon we talked about here. Yeah. Um, When they were acquired by Buffalo Trace, Weller's is the cheap version of Pappy, by the way. Same. It's made the same. Right. Um. So in 1989, 11 barrels were at the Stitzel Weller, moved in 2002 to Buffalo Trace. In 2014, moved to stainless steel tanks, which now 710, 750-milliliter bottles of Pappy Van Winkle, 25-year-old. You can buy bottle number 207 of 710. That's the only one I can find. How much? Give me, shoot me just off the top of your head. What do you think? 25-year-old.
1: Uh,
0: $1,500. This is at nationwide liquor.com. All right. Okay. And this is in a beautiful case, um, beautiful packaging with the traditional Pappy label, $26,999. <laughs> so if That's there's crazy. any sponsors out there that would love just to get your name, I'll get it tattooed on my back. If you would buy this Pappy Van Winkle, we will drink it in a Facebook Live, the whole bottle, uh, and then just never do another podcast. And then we're done. You, you couldn't. You could How do you top that? You know, we. I think we did. Hold on, I'm going to sneeze.
1: So they've got. You can buy. Uh, I mean, decent amount of Pappy on on uh, on that website, Nationwide Liquor. You can buy. A twenty-three year old bottle for forty-seven hundred bucks, which is a steal.
0: <laughs> Bargain prices, guys. Nationwide liquor, but that's the when you look at you know you say that the Utopia is not super rare when there's only seven hundred and ten of anything, whether it be a watch, bottle of bourbon, pair of shoes. It auto, whether it's good or bad, it automatically increases that value.
1: Right, I completely agree with you.
0: I was listening to a. You know how this the videos play on Facebook nonstop, and it's just yeah. I get to this video of a watchmaker talking about you know like hip hop artists and movie stars and their watches with, and how diamonds are a waste. They really don't add value. And then I can't remember the watchmaker's name, but made one solo watch for Jay Z that if he wanted to sell would be worth eight to ten million dollars because there's one of one. It's only one exists yeah. in the world. Nothing like Jay-Z it. Wore it. Jay-Z bought it, or had it made, I don't, whatever it is, I don't know, uh, before we go, I wanted to talk about this, I mentioned this to you, because in the culture that we're in, whether it's the bearded community, you know, everybody, like, everybody's pigeonholed into that hipster type thing, like, you have your, like, lumberjack bearded guys, then you have, like, no offense, your craft beer, beer. You, There's like, there's that, you lump those guys in together whether you mean to or not, one of the things is tattoos. You don't have any tattoos. I have six, uh, and I'm about to get seven. What, you know, as, as much younger than me and I just recently started getting more as, you know, in my late thirties, do you, do you ever have, is there anything that you would want tattooed on your body for the rest of your life?
1: So my line has always been, um, there hasn't been anything that, I've liked enough in life to get tattooed on my body. But that has changed. So obviously not married, but I would never get anybody's name tattooed on my body, whether they were related to me or I was married to them or not. But probably the one thing that I would mm-hmm. get is my dog.
0: Would you? Like a portrait or their names?
1: Yeah. Probably the portrait. Um, I would be so worried, though, that it wouldn't look like. The actual dog and it would look like I always see, for example, like the
0: you know, tattoo fails, like on,
1: like on no, just even like the stuff like on, you know, because Instagram and Facebook know that I have dogs. So it's like, get your dog's name on, you know, a T-shirt or whatever. Like you can get like, you know, your is do- the funny thing where it's like you're you wear a T-shirt of your dog and then your dog wears a T-shirt of your face.
0: Um, right. <laughs> I with yeah. stupid.
1: Right. So that probably would be the. The, the the thing that I would most likely get on my body, like I would get a, a portrait of my dog, but that would be probably the only thing.
0: Wait, just for complete transparency, you have two dogs. Right. Do we want to talk about the bitch of the dog, the other one you got?
1: <laughs> she Willow. Is, yeah. Willow. What's her name? Willow.
0: Yeah. Willow's a man. I like, loves... David and Angie and maybe some other people. I don't know. Does not that's like me at all. Much. Yeah. Which so is good. Us and you know?
1: my future sister-in-law who is just, I mean, everyone loves her. MZ. I don't know if you've met her, but I did uh, at your wedding. Yeah. So that's, those are the three people. She's just super defensive. And we went to high end professional training with her. And it's, she's like, these are my people. Like we rescued her and she's like, these are my people. I'm not letting anyone get in between. <laughs> you know, she will protect us with her life, which is kinda, kind of, that's amazing to think like, yeah. but she doesn't realize like most 99.9% of the time. She doesn't need to protect us with her life.
0: Uh, the mailman is not a threat. Willow. Right. Yeah. So you, <sighs> being quite a bit younger than me, I know a lot of people your age and younger and starting younger and younger in life have gotten tattoos. I got a tattoo right after I turned 18. Uh, Well, not right after. It was after I graduated high school. But, you know, I was going to play college football. It's not one of those sports like basketball where you could get, like, your arms sleeved up and all that where people could see it. Nobody can really see anything in a football uniform. Like, I wasn't going to get anything below my elbows. So I got something on my leg. And it was one of those things I – Generic, generically picked it out, uh, follow, well, no, I got a son, like a tribal son on my leg. Then I got the tribal armband after that, or I'm sorry, on a whim and a very low budget. I got some weird little tribal thing on my arm and then I got the armband underneath of it. So it, I don't know. So then I'll go like 20 years, not 20, yeah, 20 years without getting a tattoo, and so then I start this Norse theme on my leg and so it's kind of like when I think about it it the first 3 didn't mean anything to me right yeah as far as like connecting to me and the Norse thing is like i have like the Norse hammer of thor uh Molinyar or whatever it's called and it doesn't look like the marvel hammer it looks like a Norse hammer um for like strength and all that. Uh, and then as like kind of an homage to my father, I have Odin's uh, helmet with, with his face on my shin. I have the compass, you know, the Norse compass on my leg. It's the way you always find, your, you always find your way home. Right, And so through this pandemic, we talk about supporting local, my, my tattoo artists who've done those last three, they shut the shop down. Obviously I don't know what the tattooing, like they've not started back yet here, uh, but it's coming. And so, and my wife has gotten work done too in our older, you know, well, nothing like having a two year old or having a, a baby, at, you know, 37 and 38 years I'm old respectively. And signing I some more tattoos. Uh, but so this guy's done, you know, for our anniversary, we, we've went and got tattoos. Um, and then I've went, I got like a gift card for Christmas and I went, you know, so I've, and Abby's whole back is like one whole quarter of her back is done. It's supposed to start off super small. and We just kind of let the guy work his creative magic. So she has like the whole Kentucky wildflowers theme on her back. But to my point is that we had these deposits that stayed with the shop, you know, um, because like the walk-in crowds, not super reliable through the week. And then people would call and say, Hey, I'm coming. They never came. So it's like an appointment only type deal, which yeah. has worked out good for them. So, yeah, but you had to put a deposit down to ensure that, you know, Hey, you're going to come. So we've had these deposits that kind of roll over. Um, and when this pandemic hit, they shut down. And I had, I think it was a hundred bucks um, in my account there and, And so I was like, Hey, do you know, do you, can you use that? Can I just give you that deposit as like a tip or whatever? And so ended up talking with the shop owner who was super cool about it. Got it to my guy, you know, they open back up next week. So he hits me up. Hey man, I appreciate what you did. Of course he thanked me after that. And we we've talked back and forth. Um, I'd like to get you back in, you know, let's schedule an appointment. So, You know, I talked about buying half a cow, and I just—I'm very impulsive. I was like, "Sure, let's do it." Not really having an idea. Like, I had an idea of what I like the theme, because the whole—the whole purpose is like from a knee down sleeve. Um, So I'm like, "Yeah, do it." So I'm going June 14th for more work on my legs. So, but I thought it was fitting because when when I see, like, just your normal—I don't know—anything niche. Like we were talking about fighters or beer guys or bourbon drinkers or whatever, like yeah. there's there certain things that bikers, you think of tattoos. I think of tattoos anyway. Um, and so I just thought, you know, you not having any than me, you know, quite quite your elder still marking my body up. Uh, <laughs> like what's your thought? Because I'm sure when you go out to brewers, you see tattoos and we see – We've seen Um, some bad MMA tattoos.
1: I think people would mostly just express themselves in different ways and for some people that's tattoos. For other people that's social media. For people that's, you know, clothing, their way that they wear their hair, things like that. And that's honestly one of the more you know, one of the more fascinating things I think about just life in general is is the way that people kind of find a way to uniquely you know, express themselves, and I've never, again, never been a fan of tattoos for myself, and never really cared about even tattoos on other people. But it's always been, I thought it was like, hey, that's that's interesting that you have something that you want to put on your body. So, yeah, arts, no.
0: I'm thinking about getting into tattooing. I can't draw, but I feel like I can trace pretty good. Does that count? You
1: could trace someone's tattoo.
0: So this week, drink you some, uh, go to Kroger. It's where, the, really, one of the only places I have for bourbon right now. Um, and their selection's good, so I'll keep What's awesome is, like, I'm starting this collection. Usually, I'll just have a bottle. We drink it. We get a new. And now, I have, like, a variety. So when the time comes to have a social outing or a social get together here, like I can offer a sampling selection, which, little which is kind of, you know, it might sound corny, but like, Hey, I'm I'm old enough to like, not, not have that just to get drunk. Like I'm not getting a handle of Jim beam, just, just exactly. to go to get drunk. You know, like I, I want, I want to enjoy it. So, now I've got, uh, my Weller's is almost empty though, because when I started that, that was what I had gotten for my birthday. Um, and so it's about gone. Uh, and I'm sad because it'll be super hard to replace, but four roses, Basil Hayden. Um, what's the other one? Weller's. Weller's. Yeah. Yeah. So we didn't, yeah, we didn't, we didn't did, did do one yeah. on the first one. Yeah. Uh, and so one more time you've had to, to recap, we've had, that's what she said. Right.
1: From Treehouse.
0: And then uh, last week was, what was the Trinity name of it? Of uh, Trinity of Oak, which I thought was a cool name.
1: Yeah. And then and this year is called uh wave maker by fretboard brewing in Cincinnati. So I've actually on my website, MMA McKinney, there is a uh, tab. If you click on there beards and beers and I've been, um, Click, I've been keeping track of everything that we've been drinking so during each episode. Oh, yeah. Podcast player there, and then um, links to both the beers and the bourbons that we've been drinking. So I'll try to remember to keep that up to date every week. But um, That's
0: awesome. Yeah. I've been there staring at your website, and I didn't even really see that link.
1: <laughs> I just put it up. I actually just uh, did my first – I got a new logo that I designed. So. Which is awesome.
0: Did you design mm, it? Like, are you real it. about
1: that? Yeah, I made it.
0: You created that.
1: Yeah, I thought it was pretty good.
0: I think it's awesome.
1: <laughs> so check it out, MMA McKinney. Uh, also, be sure to check out our social media. Um, we are on just about everything. Um, maybe in a couple of weeks, we'll get um, YouTube. We'll start doing uh, videos, at least maybe for part of it, or we'll do you know things like that. And yeah, we'll, we'll pop up
0: during a we'll pop up during the week to. Uh, yeah. Show you what we're doing.
1: Thank you to um, National Barks, too. So that's our yeah, intro. Song that's the new right intro song. Here. Yeah. And, uh, so if Stone. you
0: didn't, if you had questions, the first intro song for the first few episodes was a guy by the name of E Double. He passed away several years ago. Seven foot tall white guy from Baltimore. Amazing rapper. Like, and I don't know why I'm drawn to that song, um, but uh, it's called Be a King. But but, yeah, so this week and, and moving forward, Haunt You by National Barks, which they have a uh, – you said they I didn't check Spotify, no, but they definitely have the YouTube presence.
1: YouTube. They have uh, some awesome YouTube videos. So. Um,
0: the, yeah, it's really like uh, Reservoir. The haunted, Haunt You uh, is a like, remake of Reservoir Dogs, which, by the way, is in my top five movies of all time.
1: Right. So they actually did um, – their last album, they did a three-part, uh, basically uh, Reservoir. Uh, if you look at it, it's the. Um, just check out their their music videos on YouTube. It's it's kind of a series of videos. it's, it's very cinematic. Quality. Like yeah. if, you're,
0: if you're watching those videos for the songs, they're there. But if you're a fan of Reservoir Dogs, you know there's a soundtrack that's playing in the background of of all of Reservoir Dogs. It's right. it pays great homage to that movie. Yeah. And if you've not seen Reservoir Dogs. The fuck? Come on now.
1: And they've also got some Adam and and Jeff. They have a new bassist and they've got some new music. I think they just recorded um, the the last, I think it was last weekend. So um, they are uh, kind of the way that they describe themselves as spooky surf rock. So, which was a style of music that I was not aware of, but it is definitely unique and different. Would you
0: call it that? Like, I don't, like, it it just especially the haunt you song is just a good song, you know, whether, yeah. whatever kind of music you're into, if it's country or rock or hip hop or whatever, I, I think a true fan of, of music in general can gravitate towards a good song. And that's what that song is.
1: Yeah. And they said, so I don't know, not to go too, too long or maybe we, we can uh, talk a little bit more about them next week, but um they kind of remind me a little bit of like almost like a post punk. Like they kind of remind me a
0: little bit. thought of like, you were going like, to say post Malone.
1: Interpol, things like that. And then also if you are a fan of like the dead Kennedys, um, mm-hmm. they are, are similar to that. And, uh, I know Adam's probably going to get upset for me, <laughs> for me, uh, comparing them to that, but they, they are, uh, and I know Adam's like they're a lot of their, um, Influences are like the Strokes. I know he's a big like Jack White fan. Uh,
0: yeah, I can see that. Yeah. It definitely comes through.
1: So if you are a fan of that. So it's a uh, lead guitar, bass, and drums. Um, and that's, that's the band. And then Adam is the singer. So definitely. And they're, they're really good live too. So check them out. National Barks. They've got Instagram and, and all that fun stuff. Spotify, YouTube. So I think the best place to check them out is YouTube just because I feel like the music video is starting to be a a lost art. And for a small kind of local band, um, they are doing some pretty impressive cinematic stuff that's above and beyond usually what you typically see for a a small band.
0: Whenever you hear this, give us a share. Reviews when necessary. I'll well, put a link in uh, the description of this podcast to uh, National Barks. And until then, drink up. Enjoy uh, the 1st of June. It'll be June when we come back, David.
1: All right. I'm ready.
0: All right. Till next week. Thank you, guys.
1: Thanks.